Well, good evening. It's good to see you tonight. Turn, if you would, this evening to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is where we're going to be, and I'll explain that in just a moment as to why. Are you inching up to the younger people, Brother Mike? <laughs> You're still old, just so you know. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. And Lord, I'm thankful that we have this opportunity. God, I pray that you'd use it to uh, grow us, maybe to remind us of what we have uh, been in need of. Lord, maybe just to solidify what we already know and uh, practice, but just need to be reminded of it tonight. God, however you'd choose to work, that would be fine. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about this uh, this week as I was preparing for tonight's message that probably in the last 17 plus years I could count on one hand the number of times I knew that we were having what I would call a mass exodus of people because of vacations and just being gone and things of that nature and I'm thankful it hasn't happened very often because that could get discouraging after a while. But I knew this week, this Wednesday night, was one of those nights where we had just a lot of people traveling and then with work and everything going on. And so I thought to myself, this would be a good time to take a quick break from our study of Second Corinthians and look at something different tonight in hopes that it would be a help to us. Whenever I felt the leading or the liberty to be able to break away from our study, I had no intentions of coming across a text that was directed at me. I didn't mind if it was directed at you, but I had no intentions of it being directed at me. But nonetheless, this is a sermon that I need as much as anyone else, and I'll give you the text in just a couple of moments. But tonight I want us to think about something. I know that we know this, but I want us to think about this, that in this life there are many things that serve as potential dangers or hazards to our safety. You would agree with that, would you not? that there are many, many things in this life that are potential dangers and potential hazards to our safety and to our well-being. I'm going to illustrate it just a couple of ways so that you know what I'm talking about and then we will move on. But I think if we're honest, every one of us would have to admit that every time we get into a car, we are getting into something that has the potential to be a source of harm or danger to our safety. To get in something that travels 70, 75, 80, 85 miles an hour, to travel in anything like that, it, it doesn't take much for something to go wrong and for it to cause serious problems in our lives. You may sit here and say, well, that's why I never travel 75 or 80 miles an hour have a wreck at 35 or 40 miles an hour, and you can still incur some damage to yourself and, and hurt yourself, right? So obviously there's a little bit of danger every time we get into a car. Every time I use a power tool, there is potential for danger and harm to my overall safety. You don't have to look at the teeth of a, a, a saw very long to realize that could mess you up if you're not paying attention. You know, if you're dealing with the drill, all you've got to do is, is slip off of that screw and that fast, you've busted your knuckles and you're bleeding. At least that's the way it works for me anyways. And, and so there's a, a potential for danger and harm. 
I was thinking about the kitchen, a place I seldom visit except to eat. I never go there to prepare anything, but there is danger and harm in a kitchen, isn't there? You've got knives, you've got blenders, you've got mixers, you've got hot stoves and hot ovens, and you've got all these different things inside the kitchen that could really be a source of danger and harm to our safety. And so the list could continue for quite some time. That's just a brief overview of things that could hurt us if something did not go right. So that in mind, you've got to be ready for that and you've got to cope with that some way, do you not? And so you could do this. You could vow today to never ride in a car again. Because there is some danger associated with getting in a car, here's what I'm going to do. In an effort to protect myself, I am never going to get in a car again. Now, that may eliminate some of the danger in your life, but let's be honest, that's ridiculous. Okay, so it may not be for some of us, but for the rest of us, it would be ridiculous, would it not, to say I'm never getting into a car again? You say, I'm just going to ride a horse. Well, that kind of presents some dangers of a different sort, does it not? All right, so you can't really avoid riding in a car in today's culture, in today's society. You may say something like this, well, I'll never use a power tool again. Yeah, you say that until you have to try to do it with just a regular screwdriver, and then you're going to break it out again because you don't want to sit there and, 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 you know, use a screwdriver on a bunch of screws trying to get a project done. You may say something like this, well, I'm never going to cook again. And there are some who have adopted that philosophy. Amen. But anyways... If you say, well, I'm just going to eat out all the time, that's what I'm going to do. So you're going to walk to the restaurant and trust somebody who you've never met to fix your food as if there's no danger associated with that. So you understand this, right? You cannot get away from certain dangers and to act like, well, I'll just cut that portion off. I'll just not do that anymore. That is ridiculous. There are just certain dangers you cannot separate yourself from. So what do you have to do then? It's actually very simple. You have to decide to be mentally engaged in what you're doing every time you do it so as to avoid or to eliminate as much as possible the risk of danger. That's why we don't text and drive, or we should not text and drive. That's why we pay attention when we've got the power tools going so as to make sure our fingers are out of the way. That's why we try to remember in the kitchen what is hot, what is cool, and things of that nature. We can't eliminate the risk, and we can't cut all of them out of our lives. So if we want to try to stay as safe as possible, we have to keep our mind engaged and focused on what it is we're doing. Now you understand tonight that that's the principle we're dealing with, but we're not really going to come back to this specifically throughout the message. Again, just the principle, but I want us to turn tonight to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. As you look in verse number three tonight, we're just going to look at a couple of words and then we're going to look at the rest of the verse in the next few moments. But as we look in verse number three, here's what we see if you just do a quick overview of the verse. 
you see that Solomon mentions the mouth and he mentions the lips. He mentions the mouth and he mentions the lips. Now, as you think about that, here is what we know, is that Solomon is not just talking about a part of our face that every one of us have, right? He's not just speaking about the, the features of a person's face and the fact that everyone has a mouth and some lips. What Solomon is going to be talking about in this verse and what he is going to be dealing with are the words that are spoken and the things that are said out of the mouth and out of the lips. Okay? So Solomon is talking about the words that come out of our mouths, the things that we speak, the things that we say. And if we're going to look at this in context and do so honestly, then, then here is what we see. We see that Solomon acknowledges and Solomon reminds us of this truth that with the words we speak, with the things we say, it doesn't matter who we are, there is a potential for danger or harm to be done by the words that are spoken. Well, how do we know? Well, look in the last part of the verse. He says in the last part of the verse, But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. He that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Now, I don't know why this verse has never gotten my attention before, but it had not until this week. But I think that is a, a unique way to say that. He says, openeth wide his lips. You ever thought about that, the mental picture that Solomon is conveying here? They open wide the lips. Now, I don't know exactly what Solomon had in mind, but here is what we know. Here is what we can assume with the, the, the phrasing of this that what Solomon is trying to convey is this, is that a person can talk and do so without really thinking. We've probably met some people like that, right? They have been guilty of talking and doing so without thinking. It might be described like this, that they speak without much of a filter. They just kind of say whatever comes to mind and they never stop to consider who they might be speaking to, what they might be saying, what it might conjure up in the mind of the individual, what it might remind them of. You know, they, they just have no filter. Whatever they have in their head, they say it. And again, they haven't really thought about it or thought about what the ramifications of it may be. It's just... Talk, 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 talk. Again, people have a tendency to do such a thing, right? Yes, those people. Well, let's just bring this home for a moment. How many of us have ever been guilty of speaking with, for lack of better words, wide lips? We've all been guilty of it at some point. We have all been guilty at some point of speaking without really thinking about what it is we're saying. 
The conversation's just going, the conversation's just moving, or maybe the conversation isn't flowing and the conversation isn't moving. So maybe out of nervousness, because nobody else is talking, we're the ones who just started talking. And I don't know if this has ever happened, but you just find yourself talking and talking and talking and talking, and you soon realize, I need to shut up. You ever been there? It happens every once in a while to some of us. But, but, but for all of us, there have been those times, there have been those occasions where we have said things and we never once engaged the mind. We just said what was up there and, and, and we just didn't think about it. I think all of us, at least at one point in our lives, we have been guilty of speaking without much of a filter. We weren't really worried what anybody else thought. We weren't really worried about what anyone else was thinking. We didn't even really consider what it might conjure up. And and if we had considered it, we weren't going to stop what we were saying. And Solomon says we need to be reminded that that can be very detrimental. It can be very harmful. In fact, he said it can be very destructive. If a person is going to open wide his lips, if a person is just going to speak and not think and and not have much of a filter, then this is what we need to be reminded of, that in order, or that when, rather, a person speaks without really thinking and without much of a filter, you can be sure it will be destructive in nature. You run the risk of doing so when you don't think or use a filter. So as I was thinking about that truth, as I was thinking about what Solomon is conveying in the last part of that verse, I I asked myself this question, what is able to be destroyed with just the words that come out of my mouth? I mean, really, it's just words, right? Right? And we've all heard the old nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. I mean, it's just words, right? What could it possibly, possibly destroy? Well, I think we would all have to agree with this, that it can certainly destroy a person's testimony or reputation. I think every one of us tonight, if we gave time to let you speak and give testimony to what it is I'm saying, I think every one of us tonight could tell a story of someone that we lost a whole lot of respect for, not because of what they did, but because of what they said and you heard them say it. Have you ever known somebody who claimed to be a Christian And yet, whenever they were away from the Christian environment where they didn't have to exercise the filter like maybe they would have in a different environment, you you hear them talk and the things that come out of their mouth, you're, you're just saying to yourself, no real Christian talks like that. And as a result of hearing them talk that way, their reputation or their testimony has been forever damaged, if not destroyed. You know, somebody says, well, what could possibly be destroyed? Just a testimony. That's all, just a testimony. And as I was thinking about this, and again, putting the thoughts together, I thought to myself, you know, 
as terrible as it is for profanity to come out of the mouth of a believer, as, as terrible as it is for vulgarities to come out of the mouth of a believer, and the damage that that does to one's testimony, I could not help but think of this. The words we speak may never be profane, they may never be vulgar, they may never be crude or off color, but we can still destroy our testimony with the words that we speak. Let's think on that for just a moment. We can still destroy a testimony with the words that we speak. I'm going to illustrate it for you tonight just so that you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, last week, I was having a conversation with someone, and in the midst of this conversation, here is what they said to me. And, and they said, you know, just to be blunt with me, they said, you may despise me when this is all said and done. I thought, despise you? Why, why in the world would I despise you? But they went on to tell me that someone they knew had lost great amounts of respect for me. And I said, well, how come? And they said, because they heard you being rude to Susie. Now, I didn't know exactly what they were talking about. I wasn't exactly sure of, of the illustration that they were thinking of. But you know what I couldn't deny? That I have been rude to Susie at some point in the past. Are we hearing this? You know, almost 23 years of marriage, I would have to be honest and say, yeah, I was rude at least one time. In fact, I'd have to be honest and say I've been rude many times, unfortunately. And what happened is, is on one of those occasions when, when I said something that this individual didn't appreciate, they said it was their testimony to this person and this person confronted me on it that in their eyes, their respect for me went way down because of the way they heard me speak to Susie. And, and you know what I would have loved to have said to that? Well, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. That's nuts. Well, that person's just way too sensitive, and you don't need to worry about it. I would have loved to have said that, but you know what I had to admit? I had to admit that there was some truth in what was being said, and I could not deny that my reputation and my testimony had been hindered, not because of vulgarity and not because of profanity, but because I let my flesh rule on some occasion, and I was rude, and it had a consequence to it, and it damaged my testimony in the eyes of this one, who heard what I had to say. I'm just saying, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that there is potential for danger and harm in the words that we speak, but it can absolutely destroy our testimony without much of a notice. Say, so, well, what else could it possibly destroy? Well, it can destroy relationships, can it not? I know that you and I don't know the numbers on this. I know that you and I couldn't prove whatever we'd like to say about this. But I wonder how many friendships, good, solid friendships that were once in place, I wonder how many good friendships have been destroyed because of something one of them said. 
You say, well, it wasn't much of a friendship if that could destroy it. No, no, it's possible that good friendships can be totally destroyed because of something that is said. I, I just wonder how many relationships have, have become estranged over the years and, and, and there's no longer the closeness between family members, not because of what someone did, but because of what someone said. Say that happens? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. You get some family members together and someone's talking and their lips are wide open and they're not using any discernment. They're not using any discretion. They're not using any kind of a filter. They're not even thinking about what it is they're saying and they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Friends, I'm telling you, and you know this as well as I do, that can put a wedge in family relationships like very few other things can. I wonder how many marriages that that's been part of the starting point for the breakdown of the marriage. So what are you talking about? I'm talking about this just not too long ago. In, in, in very recent days in my life, I, I was visiting to someone or visiting with someone and and they were telling me that their marriage is in a seriously bad spot right now and, and they could very easily be headed toward divorce court and, and this is a marriage that is over 25 years old. And they said part of what has caused the problems and part of what led to our other problems is this. This was their words, not mine. Part of their words was this. It had a whole lot to do with how I treated my spouse and the words that I spoke to her. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, try telling that to the spouse who's had enough of it. I'm just saying, you and I don't begin to know what kind of an effect our words can have, what the words of other people, the effect that they can have. I'm just saying it can destroy a testimony. It can destroy friendships. It can destroy family relationships. It can destroy marriages. And the list just goes on and on. The tongue, when used with no filter and the lips are wide open, it can completely destroy things. I think all of us know this, if we pay attention to current events at all, we know that lips that are wide open can destroy careers and futures and possibilities. I mean, look at the number of politicians who have been destroyed not so much by what they did, but by what they said or tweeted or, or, or spoke somewhere where there was no filter. Think of the number of people who have been fired from jobs because they said something that ought not have been said. Think of the number of people maybe that you know who have been kept from promotions and advancements in life. It's not because of what they did, but because of things they said and thoughts they expressed. I'm just trying to remind us Tonight, if we think our words aren't powerful, we're not being honest. The words that come out of our mouths, they have the ability to destroy. I'm going to ask you tonight to answer this very simple question. 
If you and I were to look back over the course of our lives, would we have to be honest tonight and say, there have been occasions where I know that if my words did not completely destroy, it greatly damaged things like my testimony, a relationship, a friendship. It held me back. It kept me from certain potential in my life. I wonder how many of us tonight would have to say, at some point, I've been guilty of that. Well, I've already tried to be honest and tell you, I know it's happened to me. So you know what I've done? I've determined I'm never going to talk again. Have you ever been there? It's, it's kind of like this for me. Good grief, idiot, shut up. Now, if you don't call yourself an idiot, that's fine. I'm just saying for me, just shut up, Kyle. Stop talking. You don't need to talk at home. You don't need to talk at the family functions. You don't need to do anything at church except just preach and just keep your mouth shut. Have you ever thought that to yourself? Just, just stop talking? You know what that's like, don't you? That's like saying, I'm never getting in a car again. Whatever. That's like saying, you know, I, I'm never going to use a power tool or use the kitchen again. That's, that's ridiculous. Here's what I discovered of myself. As much as I determine, okay, I'm, I'm just never going to talk again. I'm just going to speak when I'm spoken to. I'm going to say yes and no, and I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just going to learn to just keep my mouth shut. I have learned that that is absolutely impossible. So for me to determine I'm just not ever going to speak again, that's ridiculous. It's not realistic. At some point, I'm going to break and I'm going to start talking. The pressure will mount. I'll not be able to handle it. And then it'll just come forth, right? Okay. I have to talk at home. I have to talk at the church. I have to talk at the family functions. So I, I just tell myself, I'm not going to talk again. Well, that's ridiculous. And then I was also reminded of this. Being silent doesn't help because I've known some people who don't talk a lot and they still manage to destroy things with their words because though they don't speak much they say a lot that doesn't need to be said with what few words they do speak i mean you don't have to be a huge talker to be rude you don't have to be a huge talker to be a gossip you don't have to be a huge talker to be critical you don't have to be a huge talker to be negative and so i was just kind of reminded of this it's not as though solomon was saying okay now now wide open lips they're going to destroy and wide open lips they they, they tear things apart so just keep your mouth shut that's not what solomon said at all So if Solomon's not telling me to shut up, if he's not telling me to stop talking, if he's not telling me to, to stop using so many words in my everyday life, then, then how do I not destroy things with the words that I do speak? So the answer is found in the first part of the verse. Solomon said this, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. What does it mean to keep something? It means to guard it, 
to protect it, to be on guard with it, to be vigilant with it. So here's what Solomon is saying is, you know, if you don't want to destroy things with your lips and your wide open mouth and your nonstop talking and your non-filtered conversation, listen, if you don't want to destroy things, then you know how to keep or protect or preserve or guard your life. Guard your tongue. Guard your mouth. If you don't want to destroy your testimony, if you don't want to destroy relationships, if you don't want to destroy potential in your life, then here is what you have got to do. You have got to learn to guard your mouth and the words that come out of it. It's kind of like choosing, okay, I I, I can't stop driving, but I can be careful. I can't stop cooking, but I can be careful. The same would be true with our mouth. I can't stop talking. But if I choose to, I can choose to guard what comes out of my mouth. Now, I know that we know this, but there are two struggles in all of this. First of all, it's hard work to guard our mouth, isn't it? To live with that constant guard on our mouth, it's hard work. It is difficult work. It is painful work sometimes. So, so we know that. And the second thing is this, is many times we're not reminded of the need to guard our mouth until we've totally blown it. And then that's when we say, oh, yeah, I wasn't supposed to say that. And that's usually when I'm reminded the strongest that I need to guard my mouth the most is right after I've said something that didn't need to be said. So do we see what Solomon's saying? He's saying, you know, if if you'll just guard your mouth, you will guard your life. But if you run your mouth, if your lips are wide open and you just talk and you don't think and you have no discretion and you have no filter, then, then you need to know That's going to destroy you. And this evening, you may just need the reminder because you may wake up on a daily basis and and it may be your prayer. I don't know. It may be your prayer that you say, Lord, help me to guard my tongue today. Help me to be so careful in the words that I speak. That that may be a, a burden that you carry on a regular basis. And trust me, that is a good burden to carry. But you may have a tendency, like most people, to lose sight of the need to guard the tongue until it's a little too late. And I'm just trying to remind us tonight, there is a need to guard the tongue because the tongue is so powerful and so destructive in nature. And once it's said and once it's done, it's pretty difficult to ever take back and to recapture what was lost. So it's something we need to think about, something we need to be reminded of. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us to be men, women, young adults, and children who are very careful with the words that we speak. God, that you'd help us to remember the need to guard our tongue. It is so easy to let the lips be open wide and to just let come out whatever is in our mind. 
And so, God, I pray that you'd remind us. It doesn't matter if we're at home. It doesn't matter if we're just with family. It doesn't matter if we're just with friends. It doesn't matter who it's with. There still needs to be a guard on the tongue because of the damage it can do in our personal lives. So I pray that you'd help us tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.